to have you along on this Saturday morning, July 24th. Guilt is a terrible thing, is it not? One of the most wonderful things about our Christian faith is that God comes to remove our guilt. But not everybody deals with guilt properly. I've heard that uh, well over half the people, most of the people I've heard, anecdotally, that are in that suffer mental disease, it's because of guilt. And dare I say, guilt can also cause a lot of physical ailments as well. Today, I'd like to read from my book, Taken to the Turf, two true stories, two real stories of people who did not deal with their guilt properly. And I tried to help them, and I don't know whether I succeeded, but we'll, um, we'll enjoy their stories and we'll be saddened by their stories and we'll realize that these stories are typical of other people, although both of them were somewhat extreme. Are you ready? Here we go. This was at the University of Maryland. Not everyone who has an issue with me really has an issue with me. Sometimes they have an issue with themselves. Maria was such a person. Maria was new to campus and had not heard me preach before. Evidently, she didn't feel the need to listen because she kept interrupting me to state her own opinions. She yelled and screamed at me throughout the day. No matter what topic or what I said, she was vehemently opposed. Even after I finished preaching, Maria kept cutting into my private conversations. Wanting to argue no longer, I decided to take a stab at the heart of the issue. Maria, I asked, down deep, would you like for God to forgive you of all your sins? Her countenance became more serious and her argumentative attitude calmed. But she stated matter-of-factly, God will never forgive me. Sure he will, I countered. Jesus tells us that all who come to him, Jesus tells us that all who come to me, I will surely not cast out. I shared other verses as well, but she was not persuaded. God will never forgive me, she continued to insist. I became curious about how she could be so certain of this. Most students are just the opposite. They're sure God will forgive them unconditionally. Why do you think God will never forgive you, I asked. With a tinge of irritation in her voice, Maria said, Tom, I'm a Catholic. I got pregnant and I had an abortion. God will never forgive me. In her mind, that settled it. All afternoon, she had opposed and criticized me. I thought she just didn't like my approach to evangelism. Now I realized the real issue was her guilt over having aborted her own baby. That must have been a terrible thing to have to live with. I was not able to get through to Maria that day, and I never saw her again. However, I do know this. Even though the devil will tell you otherwise, there is no sin God cannot forgive if we turn to him in genuine humility and faith. That's the first way you don't want to deal with your guilt. Just suppress it fight against anyone who talks about God. What was her problem? Her problem was she was so guilty and angry at God for what she had done, angry at herself and angry at God for what she had done, that any talk of God triggered her emotions, it triggered her guilt, and it caused her to react in such a negative, argumentative, angry way. So that's one way. We don't fight our guilt. We don't fight because of our guilt. We don't defend our guilt. But here's a guy, 
Second story today is a guy who did just the exact opposite of fight and defend it. You ready for this? This was... Guilt is a terrible thing to live with. If not dealt with properly, it can be deadly. I was preaching at the University of Texas on a beautiful day in early November. UT is a very liberal campus, and the free speech area draws a lot of people with bizarre beliefs and behaviors. Even so... There are others who recognize their spiritual poverty and are looking for answers. Unfortunately, some people find, find the wrong answer. A young man approached me after I was done preaching, and he solicited my prayer. Will you pray for the woman I was supposed to marry but never will, he asked. I didn't understand what he was getting at and asked him to repeat the request. Will you pray for the woman I am supposed to marry but never will, he patiently repeated. I'd be glad to, I said, but tell me, why aren't you going to marry her? Intensely serious, through this whole conversation, he then dropped a bomb on me. I have a cyanide pill. When I go home for Thanksgiving, I'm going to take my life. I could tell, them, I could tell he meant it and that I might be the last person able to persuade him against such an action. Why would you do that, I inquired. Tom, I've committed a horrible sin. I know I'm going to go to hell for it. I can't stand living with the knowledge that I will someday go to hell. I can't bear this anymore. I've decided I'm going to kill myself, go to hell now, and get it over with. Right then I realized my job was not to pray for this mystery woman he would never marry, but to persuade him of the hope of the gospel. After all, Jesus did not come to save righteous people, but sinners. He never told me what sin he had done that, that was so bad. My guess is he'd committed a fairly common sin, and yet the devil had tricked him into thinking he was the only one to have ever done such a wicked thing. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I got through to him. He listened, but when he left, he seemed quite dejected. That's what sin can do to you. You'll notice I said he was tricked by the devil. Yes, that's right. This is the devil's solution to guilt and to a host of other problems as well. Rob a person of hope. Drive them to suicide. Take his soul to hell. That's the devil's plan. How opposite of what Jesus Christ promised. The thief, the devil comes to steal, only to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. The Christian faith is one of hope, a hope that is based on receiving forgiveness from God and being reconciled to God. Sure, there is a sin that cannot be forgiven, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, but I'm convinced that anyone who commits that sin is so hardened they couldn't care less. If you have sinned and the burden of your guilt is weighing you down, you're exactly the person for whom Christ died. Don't buy the devil's lie. And please, don't do something as drastic as this young man was considering. You can't save yourself, but you can turn to Jesus Christ and trust him to save you. Seek him with all your heart, and you'll find him to be rich and abundant in mercy and love. So, 
the wrong ways to deal with suicide, or excuse me, the wrong ways to deal with guilt. One is suicide. Take your life. Give up. Lose hope. That's the devil's plan, to take away your hope. Don't ever, ever, ever believe that God will never forgive you. Don't ever, ever believe, and I, I know people deal with this question, have they committed the unpardonable sin? Again, as I said in the story here, I'm convinced if you've, if you've really committed the unpardonable sin, your heart is so hard, you would care less about it. You wouldn't be bothered by it. You wouldn't feel convicted about it. If you've ever wondered that, it's pretty good evidence you haven't done it. So don't lose hope. And let me speak to directly. I know most people who come on this daily, you know, they've already come to Christ for their Savior. But maybe you haven't. And maybe you're coming here today and maybe you're watching. You've never yet received Christ. Can I tell you that our God is a God rich in mercy? He's ready to forgive. He's not, he's not demanding you jump through all kinds of hoops, that you go clean up your life and go start living the Christian life before you can earn and deserve his forgiveness. Jesus said he's like the great physician, the physician of our soul. When do you go to the doctor? You go to the doctor when you're sick. How crazy it would be to say, I'm, gonna, I'm sick, but I'm going to wait till I get well, and then I'll go see the doctor. No, no. You go when you're sick. You go when you have a need. When do you go to Jesus? You go when, you're, when you realize you have a need. You don't have to clean up your life first. You don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops. What you do need to do is humble yourself. Instead of fight it, as Maria did, instead of just give up, as the fellow down at the University of Texas did, rather say, Jesus, I need your cleansing. I, I need you to do for me what I can't do for myself. I need you to forgive me. I need you to make me your own child. I need you to come into my life. We believe that God hears that prayer. God answers that prayer because God loves people. The Bible tells us God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him might not perish, but have eternal life. It's that simple. And this is not talking about just intellectually acknowledge that Jesus lived, but this is talking about trusting in your heart. Whoever turns to him, whoever believes he is the son of God, whoever, and if, whoever believes that he's the savior, whoever believes that he's our Lord, if you truly believe, if you turn to him and you say, I believe that. Jesus, I acknowledge I need your forgiveness. I acknowledge that when you died on that cross, it was for me. Well, why is that? Because the Bible says the wages or the punishment of sin is death. We've all sinned. Maria had sinned with her abortion. This fellow Texas had sinned. He'd never told me what. And I don't know what your sin is, but I know that you and I and all of us have sinned against God. We've broken his laws. We've done things we know we shouldn't have done. We've done things in our deeds, in our words, in our thoughts, in our motives. And yes, there is a punishment by a just God for these things. And that punishment is one more than we can bear because it would be an eternity separated from God. However, Jesus never, ever, ever committed sin. You see, that's, that's the thing about him. Unlike you and I, he was without sin. And yet, why did he die on the cross then? If the punishment of sin is death, why did Jesus die on the cross? Because he died for our sins. He took our sins upon himself. And in some spiritual, mystical, but very true way, it's as if God Almighty, the Father in heaven, took your sins and my sins, lifted them right up us, put them on Jesus Christ. 
and then punish Jesus on our behalf. Punish Jesus for the things we did. And now God says he accepts that judgment and that punishment given to his son Jesus on behalf of our, on our behalf. It's as if God now, Jesus took our sin and he gave us his goodness. He gave us his rightness. And God, if, you're, if we're in Christ, God looks upon us as forgiven and clean. And we are. And you don't need to walk around with guilt and shame. God takes that away. How do, we, how do we deal with it? We confess it. We acknowledge it. I, Father, I, I admit this. I've done this. I ask you to forgive me for Jesus' sake. He died for my forgiveness. And then, my friends, he rose from the dead. This is all good news. This is all good news. You don't need to fight God. You don't need to resist God. Yield to God. Humble yourself before God. Receive God's love. Receive God's mercy. It's abundant, and he wants to give it to you. And you can be new and free and forgiven and filled with a peace that passes all understanding because you'd have peace with God. And so this is my prayer for you. And if you've never done that, I'd like to lead you in a simple prayer. The Bible says if we call on the name of the Lord, we shall be saved. Will you join me now in a simple prayer? Father in heaven, I thank you that you are a God who is good, abundant in loving kindness, and ready to forgive. And I acknowledge my need of forgiveness, for I've sinned against you. And I've done things I wish I hadn't done, and I hope I never do again. I do ask you to forgive me. I do believe Jesus Christ, your son, died on the cross for my sins. He took my punishment. And I'm thankful. I believe he rose from the dead and demonstrated his victory over death and over sin. I receive Jesus right now. Come into my life. Forgive my sins. Make me the person you want me to be. I ask for this in Jesus' name. I pray and I thank you. Amen. I hope you prayed that prayer. If you did... I believe, I believe God, I believe you got a new day today. I believe you got a new beginning. A new life is starting for you. And I hope, I, I, I hope you are expecting and ready and you carry through. Now, I encourage you, drop me a note if you did. My email address is simple, tom at tomthepreacher.com. T-O-M-T-H-E-P-R-E-A-C-H-E-R, tomthepreacher.com. Just drop me a note. Let me know. Tom, hey, that prayer of salvation about Jesus and overcoming guilt, I prayed that with you. And if you do, I'd like to respond to you and give you some encouraging steps to some, some encouraging steps forward. Okay? I'd love to hear from you. It would encourage me, and I think I can encourage you back. Well, all of us, let's have a good day. And you know what? If you know of someone, if you're a regular here and you watch this and you say, wow, boy, I know someone who could hear this message today. Maybe you know someone who's dealing with guilt uh, and, and they, they need a fresh way to deal with it and not the ways they've dealt with it in the past. Make sure you copy this, send them the link to this uh, video or share it on your Facebook page or whatever. And um, many people need to hear this message, okay? Say, you have a great day. 
God bless you. Might he fill you with joy. Might he fill you with love. Might he fill you with faith. Might he fill you with courage. Might this be a blessed day for you. And I pray this for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We'll see you tomorrow because we're here every day. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.